time for another Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you how to quit your job by investing in real estate rental properties so you never, ever have to work a job again. Now, I quit my job when I was 37 years old, and it is amazing, absolutely amazing, to never, ever have a job again. I want that for you, and this is why I have this podcast. This is why I have this show, so that you can learn how to invest in rental properties, get passive income, where you make money every single month, instead of you working an hour and getting paid for that hour, you work one time and you get paid over and over and over again. Now, today we're gonna be talking all about recycling your money over and over again. I started with just $17,000, we started with 10,000, saved up some more and got a little bit of money from like, I don't know, we sold something or sold a couple things, but we had $17,000 and we bought our first property and then I recycled that money over and over and over again. Eventually now I have have 30 plus properties, I quit my job after nine years of investing in real estate and I wanna show you how to do that. So we're gonna talk about recycling your money over and over and over again to build your business even better than it ever could be if you just did it by yourself without recycling that money. All right, guys, let's get into today's show where we talk about the Burr method, the B-R-R-R-R method. Let's get in there and start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, now let's get in here and let's start today's show. Now, I want to talk to you about something that happened with one of my students. And he is actually a fantastic guy. I love working with him. And he probably, I know he listens to podcasts. He'll probably listen to this at some time. But anyways, I want to share you a huge win that just happened. So he's buying a property. He's got a duplex. I walk him through the entire process. We work together, analyze the deal, make sure it's going to be a great property. Anyways, it comes down, it's a duplex. And he's going to be making about $400 a month or give or take every single month from this property. So here's what I really want to share with you, how we got him or I got him and helped him to save $5,000 toward buying that property. So the seller was asking $85,000 for this duplex. And even if you bought it for $85,000, he'd still be making $400 after all the expenses, after the mortgage payment, after the taxes, after the insurance, after everything, all the expenses are paid. He's still going to pocket around 400, give or take around there every single month, $400. Now, as he was going to buy this property, I said, you know what? I would try to get this a little lower. I think you can get them to come down. After negotiating and working with him and helping him negotiate, he eventually got the seller down to $83,000. So they came down $2,000, which is great. That's $2,000 saved right then and there. I mean, would that be great just have an extra $2,000 in your pocket? Well, you're just not spending that $2,000. Anyways, long story short, with that $2,000, he had it for $83,000. So that's great. Now, here's a big tip I'm going to give you guys. You want to do an inspection period on every single property that you buy. And we do the inspection period. Make sure it's in there. It's a seven-day inspection period. Well, we or um, my student gets the inspection. The inspection comes back. Everything looks pretty good. But we see that the roof, it's a little older. It's probably going to need to be replaced the next two to five years. Well, we know that it needs to eventually be replaced. But two to five years isn't really all that bad. 
we can save up a good amount of money in two to five years to eventually replace the, the roof. We can also patch it and do things like that. But right now it's in decent shape. But the seller does not know that and we're not going to tell them that. And as he's going to say, or my student comes back to me and says, hey, I'm ready to buy it. The inspection looks good. I looked over the inspection report, showed him everything I thought. And yeah, it looks really good. But here's what I said. You know what? I think we could save you some more money. How about let's do this? Why don't you go and ask the seller and say, not really ask, but basically try to get them to come down $3,000 because of the roof. Because you're going to get them to pay for half of the roof because it needs to be replaced. Ask them if it's going to be, if it can be replaced. So my student comes back and says, and he words it in a way that it's more like asking, hey, would you please ask the seller if they would um, be okay with coming down $3,000 because of the repairs? And I said, no, you don't want to ask like that. You want to be more direct. You want to ask, you know, basically instead of asking, would you please say, this is what we have. We found that the roof is going to be, need to be replaced relatively soon. And we know the cost it's going to be. We would like for the seller to lower their, or basically we would like the seller to give us a credit of $3,000 to cover half of the cost of the repair and re replacement of the roof. That's it. Just, you know, we, we would like this or we need this. You can be even straightforward. In order for us to proceed further, we need the seller to give us a $3,000 concession on the contract, basically give us a credit. Well, within like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or maybe even an hour after he sent that in, the seller responded back, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll go ahead and give you that concession. So it went from $85,000 down to $83,000. And then working with me, we got him down to $80,000. We just saved him $5,000. And so this is a huge tip. And I, I this is going to be just for you guys that listen to this podcast, a huge tip for you. You can always negotiate everything. I personally love negotiating and getting the price down because I mean, shoot, you already have a no. Like if you don't ask, you already have a no, like you're not going to get what you want. But if you ask, you very well could get what you want. I mean, the seller might've came back and said, well, we won't come down to $3,000. How about $1,500. We'll give you a $1,500 concession. Well, that's great. That's $1,500 that you didn't have or you know, it's a savings. So I want to give that to you. And I want to also show you how to invest in real estate just like my other students. I want to give you my free course. I want you to text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. And I will send you personally. I get those emails. I literally do. They come to my email box and I will get that free investor course sent over to you right away and you'll be able to download that. You'll be able to get started. I want you to get started. I want you to change your life just like all my other students, just like I have. I'm super blessed to be able to be here talking to you about this because I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun and I want to show you how to do it. So again, text the word rental to 33777. Now in today's show, we're going to be talking all about recycling that money that we have to invest. Now, a lot of people have different names for it or different ways to call it. One term is the BRRRR method. It's the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and then repeat the process. That's basically, it's B, all those BRRRR. Buy, rehab, rent out the property, refinance and pull that cash back out and do it all again, over again. Repeat that entire process all over again. Now, I've done that so many, many times that I can't even count how many times. My students have done that so many times. You basically are recycling that money over and over and over again. And I want to show you how to do that. 
Now, today, we're going to be talking all about recycling that money with the BRRRR process. Once I go through this process, you're going to see how easy it is for you to do this exact same thing. So let me give you a little story of how I first found out this process and really just did it myself. I didn't even think anything about it, like uh, maybe making a process of it, but I've done it many, many times over. So when I started my rental property business, I bought my first property for $17,000 in cash and really, really inexpensive or cheap property. Um, it only rented for a bit, I think it was $525 a month, uh, but that was all the money that I had and I didn't want to get a loan just because I didn't have the ability to get a loan. I didn't have the extra income to pay for the mortgage. So I wanted to buy a property that I can get cash really, really quickly. And this was in 2007 before the market crashed, before the banks stopped lending money. And so what I decided to do was spend $17,000 of my own money. Basically, it was all the money that my wife and I had to buy our first property. We bought our first property. It was a total of $17,000 in cash and fixed it up, got a renter in there and started renting it out. Now, shortly after, I thought, you know what? I don't have any more money, but I want to buy another property. All my money is tied up in this one property. So I started thinking to myself, how do I get access to this money and utilize it so I can buy another property? And so what I decided to do was call up every single bank that I could. It could be you know, big national banks or even local and community banks and credit unions. I started calling every single bank to ask them if I could take out equity from the property because I owned it cash. I owned it completely outright. There was no mortgage on it. See if I could pull money out. Now, the most of the downside uh, for banks when they uh, offer such a low amount of money coming out of their pockets for the loan. So the loan of $17,000, usually they don't make much money. It's much more hassle on their end because of such a low dollar amount. Now, a $200,000 loan, that's a lot more money. And so they're, they're much more willing to do that. Usually, um, and even right now, uh, any loan that's under $50,000, banks don't really like to lend. So this was in 2007, and they were just giving out you know, money uh, left and right. They were just basically, anybody had a pulse that wanted to apply for a loan, they'd give a loan. But it, what I decided to do was call up um, local banks. And so the area that I was investing in Ohio, I started calling up local banks and saying, I, I have this property, I bought it cash, I own it outright, I'd like to take out money from the equity. And so I found, after calling maybe two or three banks, I found a, a bank that actually lent me, um, I think it was like 80% of the total value of the home. I pulled that cash out with the refinance, got a decent rate. Um, the mortgage payment was only like $120 a month or something like that, really, really low. And I took that same money that I just pulled out, so I, uh, I bought a second house with it. So here's what I did. I bought a first house, waited a little bit, maybe two or three months, started calling some banks, refinanced, pulled all that money out, did a cash refinance out of that property, and then used that cash, recycled that cash, and then bought another property. Then after, this is my second property now, after maybe two months after that, I thought, hey, that worked out great. Let me go ahead and do it again. So I pulled out money out of the second house and then bought a, actually I bought three and four, number three. So I won two and then bought the third and fourth house in quick order. Like really, like it was one month bought one and then the next month bought the other. So I had four properties within, I want to say like a year and a half. I had four properties and basically used the same $17,000 that I that I bought the first property with and recycled that money 
enough times that I had four properties. Now, the two different loans that I had on the first and second property, I want to say that the total mortgage was right around, let's see, one was 120, the one other one was 250. So that's $370 a month. So $370 a month that's coming out of my pocket in a mortgage. But the great thing is each one of those property was bringing me $550 a month. Can you believe that? That's $1,650 a month coming in passive income or not passive. That's total rents. But then you minus the mortgage, you minus property management fees, you minus taxes, insurance, vacancy factor, all that sort of stuff. I was pocketing with those two mortgages, $1,000 in passive income. That's passive income. That's that's profit. That's not counting all the expenses. I actually have that money coming in. And so each time I started thinking, wow, this is a great way to buy properties. And so once the market crashed in 2009, I did not have the ability to get any more loans because they weren't giving them out, especially that low dollar amount. So let me jump into what this term or this this process is called. So I've heard other people call it um, a bunch of different names, but one that most people have heard of recently is the uh, BRRRR method. And that would be very, it's a, like basically an acronym for the process in which you go about building your property rental portfolio very, very fast. And this is how I did it. I buy my first property. I rehab or I fix it up. So the R, so buy is the B. R would be rehab the property. I get it ready, rent ready. Um, I don't want it the best house on the street. I don't want the worst house on the street. I want it to be where a tenant will get in there and live there for 10 years. That's what my goal is. So I buy it, I rehab it, get it rent ready. So buy, rent, and then, uh, sorry, buy, rehab, then I rent it. So the second R is getting the property rented. That's the, that's the, the big key is getting that property rented so you have passive income coming in every single month. So once you do that, the next step is to then refinance that property. Now, some banks have different criteria for how they actually go about doing the refinance. Some need a minimum of three months, six months, eight months, or a year. So you just call around to as many different banks as you can until you find a bank that's going to give you the loan that you want, or if you need to wait just a little bit longer. Now, all those processes are very, very simple. The bank will walk you through how to actually do the refinance. Don't even sweat that. They want to actually give out loans, so they're going to make sure you get everything done right. Now, the next step is very simple. You repeat the entire process. Now, that's how I got from one property to two to three to four very quickly is I actually repeated the process. So when you're thinking about buying your first property, think about what, or basically how much money you have, how much um, equity you're going to get. So let's say when you're buying a property, you have, I don't know, $10,000 to put down, $20,000, $5,000, whatever the amount is that you're going to put down, that, that doesn't really matter how much money you're putting down. What matters is the equity that you have in your property. So I'll give you two, two scenarios. First scenario, if you buy a home that you buy it at $100,000, and you fix it up and put $20,000 into it. So your total of $120,000 with a mortgage um, into the property. But the actual appraised value is $200,000. Well, there's $80,000 in equity in there that you can tap into. The banks will let you borrow 80% of that. That's $160,000. You can effectively pull out $40,000 if that makes sense. So $200,000 would be the appraised value. Bank will let you lend 80% of that. 80% of 200000 is 
Now, you'll be able to borrow $160,000, but you put in $100,000 to buy the property and twenty dollars to fix it up. So $120,000, or sorry, $180,000 minus, sorry, $160,000 minus $120,000 is $40,000 in your pocket that you can potentially take out. Now, here's a huge key. Biggest tip I can give you that's uh, one of the best things about this. That's tax-free money. Now, imagine if you sold that house. You put $120,000 into it, and you sold it for $200,000. Well, that's great. You made a great profit, but you pay a lot in taxes because it's capital gains tax. You're going to pay whatever the capital gains rates might be, 30% or 20% or whatever it is right now, Um, but you're going to pay that rate, and you're also going to um, have other fees and things like that you're going to have to pay. And so what happens is when you refinance, the government, the IRS, does not look at your loan the money you're pulling out, they don't look at that as profit. They look at you as taking it out as a business expense. So you can actually write it off. <laughs> Instead of paying more in taxes, you actually pay less in taxes by pulling the money out because the bank sees it as a loan. And you can use that money to buy a Ferrari or you know, 40000 is probably not going to buy you a good Ferrari, but you know, buy a really nice car. You can use it to take your family on a trip. You can use it however you want. Tax free because that's your money. The government doesn't care. They just care that you're repaying the loan. They'd say, well, you got the loan. You make sure you repay the loan. And that's all they really care about. And they give you a tax deduction for getting that loan. So for me buying that first property and pulling that money out, now I have that mortgage. Now the bank is actually going to, sorry, not the bank, the IRS is now going to tax me less because I have that mortgage, because it's a business expense. The second property, exact same thing. Instead of selling it and and getting capital gains tax on it, I actually pay less in taxes because that reduces the amount of taxes that I owe. Hopefully that all makes sense. Um, Now, the next step is really, oh, sorry, that was one scenario. If you uh, remember, I was talking about two different scenarios. So the first scenario is where you bought a house and you put fix it up and you got equity because you fixed it up. You made it a lot better. Now, those aren't the easiest to come by. Here's another scenario. And I've done this actually two or three times. You have if you have your own home, which I would strongly recommend that you own your own home. This is my own personal opinion. Some people differ, but I personally believe um, I'm in the business not of renting myself. I pay into rent. I'm in the business of rent being a landlord. And so I buy my house and after living in it for maybe seven years, the value of it went up. I fixed up the property. I, I, you know, added a new kitchen or remodeled the kitchen, remodeled the bathrooms and, and put new flooring in. So the appraised value went up. So from when I bought it, I bought the house at $210,000. I probably put in maybe $30,000. So I'm at two forty. By the time I got done, it was appraising for, I want to say 280, 290, something like that. Well, anyways, I ended up pulling out $40,000 in cash from my own home. Now, obviously, that raises the mortgage. You know, I, you could either get a second or get a whole new loan. What I did was I opted to get a whole brand new loan with cash out. Um, and don't worry about the terms. Just talk to any mortgage broker and they'll actually walk you through. They, they'll, they'll, no, they know everything about this loan process. They've done it many, many times. So don't even worry about it. Just let them walk you through it. Just tell them what's your ideal goal. You know, if your goal is to pull out the cash out as much cash out as possible, they'll work it out so that you can. So I pulled out $40,000 out of my 
my home. Now, you know, you could be thinking, well, that $40,000, you know, how much is that mortgage payment, that extra on top of it? Well, in reality, I think it was only like $400. No, no, scratch that. It was like $350 more a month. So what I did was with the $350 more a month in mortgage, I took that $40,000. I bought one property and then one property actual passive income was $350. So with one property, I paid for that mortgage and I think I bought the property for $10,000 in cash. So I still had $30,000 to play with. So basically that whole added mortgage was paid for and I still had $30,000. Well, then I bought two or three more properties with that cash strategically buying them. And then I had on top of having the mortgage paid for, I had $1,500 in passive income coming in on top of that. So hopefully that makes sense. So it'll give you a couple scenarios of how you can hopefully use the uh, the buying of a property or using a property that you currently own to refinance. So that was step one is buying the property. Now, step two is rehabbing the property to get it rented. Now, this is not, um, you know, flipping it. You're not wanting to put the best of everything, you know, like uh, uh, Sub-Zero <laughs> refrigerators or, you know, countertops that are either marble or something like that. Now, if your area calls for that, where your tenants are wanting that type of property, then, you know, you probably want to put it in. But at the same time, that might not be the best place to rent. You want to rent where you get good tenants in there. And more than likely, good tenants are not going to um, move out to try to buy a home. You know, if you go and get a really high-end property that costs a lot of money, that you're going to have to rent for a lot of money, those type of people may turn around and want to start buying. My point of view is, this is what I tell all my students. You want to buy a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, 1,200 to 1,400 square foot home. Not something that's that's spectacular, that's you know, 3,000, 3,600 square feet or something like that with eight bedrooms. You don't want that headache. Yeah, there's many different reasons. So take it from me. You want to have as little headache as possible, as little rooms as possible, as little square footage as possible. And so if you buy a three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,200 square foot to 1,400 square foot car, um, two-car garage home, you're going to have a lot less headache. So in order to rehab this property to get it where it's rent-ready, remember, buy is the first one, rehab and get rent ready is the next one. And so you need to make sure that the home is fixed up enough that the tenant, the future prospective tenant is actually going to like the property, get or you know pay you what you believe it should be renting for. So if you think it should rent for $1200, make sure the property's fixed up enough that would command that much money coming in. You know, if you think that you're going to get $1200 but you get uh, you know 1000 that's not good. If you think you're going to get 1200 you get 1400 that is good. Obviously, it's easy to say that, but you need to have due diligence before you actually buy the property. Talk to your realtors. Talk to your property managers. Talk to contractors. Talk to other pro uh, property managers that are not, not even yours. Just say, hey, I have this property. How much would you rent it for? Call up other um, listing agents and say, uh, realtors that would actually list the property for lease. How much would you lease this for? You want to have a good understanding of what it takes to get it rented, how much you could rent it for, and how much money it's going to cost you to get it rented. So that's step number two is rehabbing the property, getting it rent ready. Now remember, you're not you're not a homeowner. You're not the one that's going to be living in there. It's a business. It's inventory. Think of it as inventory. I have dozens of properties and they're all inventory for me. And I don't think of it as, okay, this is my home. Let me make it perfect. You don't want to do that. So step three is you want to rent the property and acquire a signed lease. You want to 
have the tenant sign your lease and get it in your lease. You know, you don't want them to dictate the terms. You want to make sure that they are set up on your lease and they start paying rent. Now, what is going to happen is this rent that you get in, you're going to document that as income for the bank. You re- this is this is crucial because what the bank is going to want to look at is the debt to income ratio. And don't worry about this. You're not going to actually have to remember this. The bank will take care of all this paperwork and the numbers and everything. But your debt to income ratio must be at a certain level. I want to say, you know, some banks are 65%, some are 70%. That's pretty high. I think I had one that said 73% is the highest I can go debt to income ratio. Now with that signed lease, you're going to show the bank that you're actually making money from this property. That increases your 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 income coming in, which decreases your debt to income ratio, which allows you hopefully to get the actual um, refinance through where you can actually pull out the cash. Now, what you want to do is you want to make sure that the property is ready to rent, get it rented, and then after the tenant's been in there for a couple months, so you have a signed lease. Now, it's not always necessary, but sometimes the um, mortgage broker may want to see the leases to make sure that the, the property is actually rented because they want to verify that you actually have the income unless you have it on your W-2s. Your W-2s are your IRS forms that you file every single year. And so what they do is they want to look at to ver- that you're verifying your income, that you're not just blowing smoke and saying, yes, I actually have a job, sir, but you don't have a job. Um, you know, you, you want to make sure that you say, yes, I have income and I can actually document in- the income. So I've had many um, mortgage brokers and banks ask for the leases. I'm like, sure, here you go. Here's the lease. Now, step four is refinancing the property and cash out 75 or even 80% of the property. Now, there's two different things you can do. You can either refinance the property and get a second mortgage on it. So you have a first mortgage, you keep that current one that you have, and you get a second mortgage on it. You can do that where you have two mortgages. But what I usually do, it makes it easier. The banks like it more. They don't like being in the second position. You know, first mortgage, the the bulk of the loan that you bought the house for, that's first position. So if you default, they're going to get the first money. Whatever money comes out, they're going to get the, paid the, the first. The second loan, the second mortgage on it is going to be paid after the first if it gets any money. That's why banks don't like being in second position because they're more than likely not going to get any money if you default. Now, this is what I do. I usually refinance the entire loan and say, I want a whole brand new loan, brand new interest rate, um, brand new terms. I want to start all over. And what the banks actually do and there's a downside, which I'll get to. What the banks usually do is they like that a lot more because they're going to be in first position. They're going to start everything all over again, and you're going to get a full cash out um, on top of the regular mortgage. So it's basically just one loan. Now, the downside with that, let's say you have a property that you've been paying for 10 years on it. It's a 30-year mortgage. You've been paying for 10 years on it. Well, your whole 30-year mortgage now starts over. If you get another 30-year mortgage, it starts over at zero or, you know, the first day. So you have 30 more years. That's 30 more years of, or sorry, 10 more years of interest that you're going to, because you've already paid down 10 years. You have 20 years left. But if you get another 30-year mortgage, you have another 30 years. It starts all over again. Now, the big downside is banks get their interest up front. So your first mortgage payment, your very first mortgage payment out of the 30 years, you're paying like 90% going to interest and 10% going to principal. It's horrible. But, you know, it's a cost of doing business. You actually um, use that to make money. 
But here's what happens. Towards the end of the mortgage cycle, at the end of the 30 years, you're paying like 90% principal, 10% interest. And so by the time after, you know, I think it was like year 15, they already have their money back that they lent out and everything on top of that's gravy. And so when you start the clock over again, you get another loan, you actually start paying all the interest up front all over again. So that's the big downside. So you have to play out and weigh out your options. A good way to get away from that would be to get a second mortgage. Now, now to get the loan, talk to as many mortgage brokers as possible. Now, I've gone through many different mortgage brokers. Some have gotten the job done. Some haven't. Usually, I go with one until they can't do it, and then I go through another. Um, but more than likely, I'll have at least two or three lined up. Um, I'll go with one that sounds the best or that sounds like they should be able to pull it off the best. And if they can't do it, I stop it with them. I go with another one. And obviously, I, I well, here's a, a quick tip. And this is when I say obvious because it's obvious to me. But uh, a quick tip is I'll give you. Um, don't have them do an appraisal until they're they're just about done with the underwriting. Once they're, you know, everything, they looked at all your paperwork, they looked at your income, they look at your debt, they looked at, uh, you know, the lease. Once they've done everything and they're about ready to sign the papers and they're saying, hey, all we need, the last thing we need is the appraisal because that's when money comes out of your pocket. Before that, no money should come out of your pocket. I've never paid anything before that. They only get paid when they get the loan through. And so the only time that money comes out of your pocket is when you do the appraisal. Now, I like I said, the tip I'm giving you is make sure you do not do the appraisal or pay for the appraisal or even have them do it but because they're going to reimburse you or you're going to reimburse them later on. Don't have any appraisal done until you're just about ready to close. They say, hey, this is the very last thing. So wait until the very, very end. Now, in doing that, what you're going to do is you're going to have everything lined up beforehand. And if right in the middle they say, hey, we just can't do it, our debt, your debt to income, our investors don't like that, your debt to income, you have to stop what you're doing with them, go on to another mortgage broker, then hey, you don't have any money out of your pocket. Now, what's not going to be able to happen is more than likely the new bank is not going to take any appraisal that another bank has done. Now, some might, I'm not going to say it's never going to be possible, but it's very rare that a bank is going to say, yes, go ahead and give me the appraisal from a different appraiser. Um, uh, it, it can happen, but I, they usually frown upon that. They want their own appraiser. They want their own uh, person sent out there to make sure that it's appraised properly. So I would say have two or three lined up, go with the best one, only pay for the appraisal when you're right about ready to close then go ahead and pray for the appraisal, get the appraisal done, and then you can move on. All right, so remember, so the, the B is to buy. Next is the R is to rehab the property. The next one is to rent the property. Then re R, the next R is refinance the property. The last R is to repeat the process. Now, mistakenly, I just did this the first time. I thought, hey, I just want to use my money all over again. And then I did it over and over again. And then I even bought a $150,000 house in Houston and refinanced it and pulled out all the money. So I bought it with cash, $150,000 in cash, and then pulled out all the money because I, after improving the property and fixing it up, I improved it to like 210000 or 230000 or whatever. But I literally pulled out all the money that I put into it. So I was in, I owned this property for $0 dollars. 
out of my pocket, got a mortgage. Obviously, the tenant pays the mortgage, which is fantastic. Um, and so all that money came in my back in my pocket, and I was able to buy even more properties. So I'm basically recycling my money over and over and over again. Imagine that. You know, I started with $17,000. That was the, all the money I had. Now, I know that's a, a lot of money to a lot of people. I completely understand that. That was a lot of money to us when we first started. But now, after recycling that money over and over and over and over and over again and doing it strategically, we now are able to do, like I've said, we're traveling Europe. We're going for six weeks all throughout Europe. We just got done with Israel and they're now in Austria. It's just been absolutely a blast. Now, what I did was I sacrificed for, you know, eight or 10 years of working hard at my job, buying more properties, sacrificing, not going on vacations like this to where now I don't have to have a job. Money comes in without me working and I am able to do these sort of things like go on six week vacations um, because I have these rental properties working for me without me working. So that passive income comes in. And that is the entire process. It's really, really not that hard, but it's the starting capital that a lot of us have to worry about and be concerned about. I have so many other shows where I talk about getting starting capital, getting funding and all that good stuff. So go back and listen to those episodes as well. I even just recently did an episode talking about hard money, where that hard money, you can get started with little to no money down and get that hard money, then transfer that into a refinance loan. That's a regular commercial loan that you're in a commercial up. Uh, consumer loan. It's basically a 30-year mortgage. You can actually do that. So there are many ways to get started, but just get started investing. So again, text the word rental to 33777. I want you to get started investing. I want you to change your life forever and never have to work a job again. All right, you guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with me. Again, I really, really appreciate you. I will see you next week. You guys take care of yourselves. See ya. See ya.